this fall in mortgage rates creates opportunities for many buyers. Like there is finally, I will say a light at the end of the tunnel, like for many Americans, but they finally earn more than the income needed uh, to purchase a medium price home. Welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal. We're your hosts, Isabella Farr and Susanna Kavanaugh. Today, we are looking at the Fed's rate hike last week and what that means for the housing market, digging into whether mortgage rates, which have dipped recently, will continue their downward slide, and what the latest bump means for sales volume, which has stalled as of late. The Fed hiked its benchmark rate by a quarter of a percentage point last week with a target range of 45 to 4.75%. For context, that is the highest range we've seen since October 2007. So the Fed is still trying to combat inflation. Yeah, absolutely. Here is Fed Chair Jerome Powell at the meeting on Wednesday. And welcome. My colleagues and I understand the hardship that high inflation is causing, and we are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. Over the past year, we've taken forceful actions to tighten the stance of monetary policy. We've covered a lot of ground, and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Even so, we have more work to do. So that more work that he refers to is continuing to raise rates. He said later on the Fed's goal is to keep inflation at 2%. But as of December, one of the core indexes to measure inflation was at 6.5%. Right. So we're still above where we want to be. But it's fair to say that Jerome Powell is a little more worried than the markets are about where inflation is. He's hell-bent on bringing inflation closer to 2% before pulling back on hikes because he doesn't want to risk stagflation. That's when inflation sticks around, but growth stagnates, and that makes it even harder for consumers to afford purchases. So while inflation is still there, it is coming down. And as a result, Powell's increase this time around wasn't as severe as the 75 basis point or three quarters of a percentage point hike we saw for most of last year. Commercial brokers, they've noticed right after the Fed's hike, we had a story about how the commercial industry is thinking about the increase. And honestly, it sounded pretty optimistic. Right. In that story, John Chang, who's a researcher at Marcus and Millichap, called the quarter point increase a, quote, positive sign. Darren Malott at CBRE said a similar sort of thing. He said it was light at the end of the tunnel. Both predicted an uptick in sales in the second half of the year. One point that Chang made that I thought was interesting was even if rates keep rising, these smaller hikes do indicate that things are getting a little bit better. And that should give some investors the confidence to underwrite and close deals now. Yeah, I've heard that too. I think the keyword there is should. Like, obviously, many investors and brokers would like the Fed to just stop raising rates altogether. Mm-hmm. Bob Knackle at JLL was one of those brokers. He said once that happens, sales will start to increase dramatically. The one factor that will really push sellers to sell is whether they have loans coming due. And there are so many commercial loans maturing this year. In New York, we have more than $16 billion worth of loans secured by commercial properties expiring by the end of 2023. In L.A. and Orange County, there's about $30 billion worth. Hmm. Is that more than usual? Yeah, it is. So in New York, it's about 30 percent more than the numbers we saw last year. And in L.A., it's triple. Okay, why is that? 
A few things. First, borrowers have mostly kicked the can down the road. During the pandemic, lenders were much more willing to work with borrowers. Think extensions and forbearance agreements. Second, late 2020 and 2021 saw record levels of investment while interest rates were so low. Take CBRE's numbers. Global commercial real estate investment reached $1.3 trillion in 2021, which is up 21 percent from 2019. And in many cases, buyers scored two or three year loans to actually buy these commercial properties. It's two or three years later, and those loans are now coming due. But it's a very, very different rate environment. Totally. So if they're worried about paying off the loan, they can either try and work something out with their lender or they end up selling the property, right? Right. Obviously, not all $16 billion worth of commercial back loans in New York are going to lead to default and foreclosure, but TREP is anticipating that the delinquency rate for these loans is going to rise. Yeah, and we've spoken about a number of defaults already. Last week, the Financial Times reported that RxR Realty, which is one of New York's largest landlords, is prepared to sell off a chunk of its office portfolio. CEO Scott Reckler said the firm identified a number of low-performing assets and basically there's just nothing RxR can do with them. Yeah, I saw that. I feel like it's so rare for the head of a company to bow down and say, yeah, we're ready to give the keys back. I feel like the transparency is because everyone is feeling the pain though right now. Like it was an admission that there's just distress on the rise. Um, It reminded me the February issue of the magazine came out last week and there was a story about how in Florida, a number of investors are circling for distressed assets. That's interesting because Florida was touted for so long as this ridiculously hot market that everyone wanted to be in. You know, we had so many stories about New Yorkers fleeing to Florida, hotels being built, condos being built. No, totally. I thought so too. But this is one quote that sums things up. I'm going to read. The founder of Miami-based Bridge Invest, Alex Horn, said... South Florida has absolutely fared better and will continue to. It does not mean that it's impervious to what is happening in the market right now. Yeah, it seems like the issues are everywhere. So lots of good stuff in the magazine this month. Definitely check that out. I I really liked your Nepo baby story. I can't wait to read it. I like the idea of it. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> Thanks. I'm Yeah, it was definitely a, it was a really fun one to work on. I looked at, you know, the younger generation of real estate executives who have either joined their family's firm or have stayed in the real estate business or are taking the reins from their parents. Um, you know, we looked at Jared and Nicole Kushner, Nicole Meyer. Um, we looked at Billy Maclow. There's a bunch of big names in there. Um, but it was definitely a fun one. And there's good art for it, too. Ooh, yeah. Can't wait to see. So on to politics. New York Governor Kathy Hochul released her budget last Wednesday. And it looks like it's filled with tax incentives for developers. She also detailed three-year housing targets for every city, town, and village in the state, which we discussed in a recent episode. Um, Did you want to go over some of the specifics from her budget? Sure, yeah. Like you said, there's definitely a lot there. I think the headline item in the budget was really this proposal to extend the property tax break 421A, which expired on June 15th of last year. So under that program, developers would get a tax break if they wanted to build multifamily. But to be able to qualify it, they would need to get foundation elements, so like the pilings of their project in the ground before June 15th. But they also had to finish construction by June 2026 to ultimately get the tax break. It's something that like you can kind of 
qualify for, but you don't know if you actually get it until you're done with the project. So Hochul has proposed to give developers until 2030 to finish construction. That's a big deal because we know that there are a lot of sites that sort of like enterprising developers decided to get the pilings in with the intent of selling the site. But now that time has passed, developers who would build on it aren't sure that they could get the project done by 2026. So without an extension, a bunch of sites could just languish. And that's a big deal right now because we're in desperate need of affordable housing. It sounds like it's a big win for developers and maybe the housing market in general. The other thing Hochul proposed, which could be a big deal for housing production, is a way for developers to move forward with office to residential conversions. She pitched another tax break along the lines of what 421A would offer, just like a little less generous. So it would give developers a half-off coupon on their property taxes. By comparison, 421A waived property taxes for 25 years. The half-off coupon would extend for 15, and then developers would need to make 20% of units affordable. Under 421A, they had to make between 25 to 30% affordable. Got it. So is the sense that the tax break would be good enough to appeal to developers? Yeah, a couple things there. So like, it's still a proposal. It's subject to the legislature's scrutiny and approval. So it could be tweaked. But yeah, brokers and experts who I talked to said it looks enticing enough for developers to buy in. The thought there is that because the cost of construction on a conversion is less expensive than on ground up residential, right? Because you have like a building there to work with. Developers would be able to save money there. So they don't need as robust of a tax break. And then also another sort of like money saver for these projects is some offices are selling for less than the price of the ground they're sitting on because they're so distressed. So yeah, those two things combined could make some of these conversions pencil out with that break. And speaking of office to residential conversions, back to the RxR news we talked about earlier, Scott Reckler told the FT that he is willing to seek out alternatives for the buildings that he's willing to give up, but he's not expecting to convert any into apartments. He said that it was too logistically difficult. So, you know, maybe this is a situation where a tax break like that would help. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of talk about distress, but let's move on to the Fed's recent rate hike and what it means for the housing market. All right. So can you introduce yourself to start? Nadia Evangel, I'm a senior economist and director of real estate research for the National Association of Realtors. So I thought we could start with a wide angle look on what happened Wednesday. We know the Fed raised rates by 25 basis points, which is not as egregious as the previous rate hikes we've seen, right? So I'm wondering, what does the latest increase tell us about how the Fed's battle to tamp down inflation is going? Sure. Let me clarify something first. The federal fund rate is not the rate that consumers pay for their loans. So this is the rate at which banks borrow and lend to one another. But while this is not the rate that consumers pay, a higher rate for banks tends to make borrowing more expensive consumers, eventually like affecting long-term interest rates and mortgage rates as well, such as like the 10-year treasury yield. Jumping in here to give a quick refresher on the 10-year treasury yield, it's seen as a proxy for where mortgage rates will go. So if the treasury yield goes up, so do mortgage rates. If it falls, mortgage rates will usually follow. 
There weren't any big surprises from the Fed with the recent increase matching investors' expectations. And what we see as a result, the 10-year Treasury yield dipped below 3.4% yesterday. So we should have in mind that markets are usually driven by investors' expectations. For example, investors don't wait to react uh, until the last minute, until the moment that the Federal Reserve raises rates. When they expect this move from the Fed, they react before and they don't wait until this happens. And we we saw that both the 10-year Treasury yield and mortgage rates fell this week, demonstrating like that the market had likely already priced in the recent rate hike by the Fed. And that's the reason we didn't see any spikes for these rates this week. In fact, after we saw the Fed follow through on what investors thought it was going to do, we saw rates fall sharply, below 6% for the first time since September. So with this additional uh, rate hike inflation, we expect to slow down even further in the following months. And we know that it's likely that more rate hikes will come, but that's not spooking investors at this point? Uh, no, because we already know that. On the other hand, I don't think there will be rate hikes for the whole year. So I expect about like two additional rate hikes. And we have seen the Federal Reserve to already two smaller rate hikes. And this is very, very good news for investors. Got it. Okay. So the market has accepted what's to come and they're comfortable with it. It's fair to say that. Yes, they know already. So it's not something that uh, will come as a surprise. So they expect that. And what they see, and it's most important, is that inflation is slowing down. Even though it's like higher than the 2% target that the Federal Reserve has, again, it's like 6%. And we expect with uh, this rate hike and the additional inflation rate will slow down even further. Okay. So... What do you think we can expect from mortgage rates going forward? We've seen them fall after this most recent rate hike. Can we expect that downward trajectory to continue, given that the market understands that a few more rate hikes are coming down the pike, but overall they're working and we're seeing inflation fall? Yeah, I think we finally see mortgage rates to move down. Like within the last month, mortgage rates have declined about like 40 basis points while they dropped by 1 percentage point since mid of November when they surpassed the 7% threshold. In fact, we expect mortgage rates to continue their downward track. Uh, Two of the main drivers of today's um, mortgage market are turning more favorable for the rates. First of all, as we mentioned, like inflation is easing. In fact, this is the first time December's uh, data, when they came out, it was the first time after nearly like two years that the inflation rate is finally lower than it was the previous year. So this means that consumer prices are higher. It's not that they're falling, they're going down, but they rise at a slower pace than a year ago. Right. So the inflation rate, that number we keep talking about, it was 6.5% in December. That's a measure of the year-over-year change in prices. So prices in December 2022 were still higher than they were in 2021, but month over month, they're coming down. That rate of increase is declining. At the end of 2022, the inflation rate was like 6.5% compared to 7% like in 2021. So inflation is slowing down. And then with easing inflation, the Federal Reserve has already switched to smaller rate hikes and they may stop these rate increases soon. As they mentioned at the December meeting, the Federal Reserve meeting, committee members indicated that they see the terminal rate or the point where the Fed thinks policy is sufficiently restrictive as 5.1%. And we're very close to that. Now it's like 4.75. So we're very close to the cutting edge for the Fed. Mm, Okay. So what we expect is mortgage rates will likely stabilize uh, like below 6% to 20 
2023 around like 5.7-5.8%. In the meantime, this fall in mortgage rates creates opportunities for many buyers. Like there is finally, I will say a light at the end of the tunnel, like for many Americans, but they finally earn more than the income needed uh, to purchase the median price home. So with rates falling below 6.1%, so many Americans earn annually about 5,000 more than the qualified income. However, that's not the case for first-time home buyers. Like first-time home buyers are still missing about like $30,000 in order to qualify for a starter home. While rates are not expected to fall back to 3%, these buyers, first-time home buyers, I think should look like for less expensive homes at a price point about like 220,000 uh, if they don't want to be cost burden and they don't want to go over their budget. Speaking of home prices, how do we expect what the Fed has planned going forward to affect the asking price for homes? I know those have slipped over the past several months. Do we expect them to fall further? Yeah, that's a great question. Generally, higher mortgage rates make prices too cool. However, home prices are still higher than a year ago. And in fact, home prices reached an all-time record high in 2022 when we take a look at the annual figure. Even though there are significantly fewer buyers in the market, demand continues to outpace housing supply making prices to continue to be higher than the previous year. For example, like in December that we have the latest figure for the month, home prices increased about like 2% compared to a year ago. Home price gains have decelerated since May 2022. So this means that prices continue to be higher than the previous year, but at a slower pace. So it's about how fast prices rise. For example, in December, prices, as I mentioned, like 2% and compared to 4% in November and about like 7% like in October. But in 2022, for the whole year, prices increased about like 10% compared to 2021. So it was still a double-digit appreciation what we had in 2022. While home price deceleration will continue this year, uh, prices will keep annual like appreciation flat throughout the 2023. And we expect like half of the areas across the country to experience small price gains and the other half seeing like small uh, price declines. However, we may see some declines year over year during the summer months. Uh, if you remember last summer, like in June, prices reached a record high about like $410,000. That compared to that record high, home prices will be a little bit lower in the summer, but due to limited inventory, because we expect inventory to remain low, price gains will rebound fast. So this can assure like homeowners that will continue to build equity from their home purchase. Got it. Okay. It reminds me of what's happening with rents. It's the pace of growth has slowed over the past several months, but we're still seeing year-over-year increases. And because we're so supply-constrained, it's unlikely that we'll see rents go down and it sounds like the same thing for home prices too. Yeah, and this is very welcoming, I think, from renters as well because first-time home buyers, as we mentioned, it's a double whammy for them because they have high rents and at the same time they have higher borrowing costs. So it's very difficult for them with higher rents to save down payments. So it's good to see that rent prices, like the increases are cooling down as well. So just reading about the most recent rate hike, I heard a little bit of talk or read a little bit of talk about a housing market correction. Can you talk about what that would be and the likelihood that that would happen? 
Yeah, so due to higher mortgage rates, housing market continues to slow down. Like, in fact, the market has experienced the most prolonged like slump in the history with home sales activity returning to, like in 2020-22, we went back to 2014 levels. So to levels that we had nearly about a, a decade ago. I think we should like better wonder how fast that happened. The home sales activity is declining for the last 11 straight months, starting from last February. A year ago, last January, uh, we had about 6.5 million home sales, and now it's down to 4 million homes. So it took for the market about a year to go back to that 2014 levels. And remember, this came after a year of the multiple offer frenzy, like in 2021, like when people were rushing to purchase a home in order to benefit from historic low mortgage rates. But as mortgage rates are moving down, housing market will turn around this year. We already see penny home sales, for example, which is a very good indicator of home sales activity, that uh, they rose like um, in December compared to November. So this means that we had more contra signings in December. And while we are nearing the spring season, activity will get busier. So for 2023, we still will have fewer homes to be sold compared to 2022, but we will have a smaller decrease than the one that we had back like in 2022. So in 2022, we had a drop of the home sales activity about 18%. And in 2023, we expect home sales activity to drop about 7% compared to 2022. Okay, so the volume of sales still slowing, but not as... As bad as it was like last year. Got it, got it, got it. And do we expect mortgage demand for mortgages to follow? I think mortgage applications will uh, increase again. So they will tick up with the mortgage rates like moving down. And then I don't know if you could speak to this, but I feel like over the past several months, we've seen a number of layoffs across the residential mortgage space, brokers who work in the space. Is there a sense that given what we know about where the market is going now, that mortgage applications could tick back up could those cuts have run their course or do we expect to see some more pain um, in the residential brokerage sector? I think we expect activity to get busier. Uh, so I think we have easier activity to come and better like uh, conditions like to come for the housing market. Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. So subscribe now. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or on the series, or if you have a guest or an idea you'd like to pitch, feel free to reach me or Susanna at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're looking at new tenant protection laws in New York, California, LA, and even some federal ones. Tune in then.